Good morning. I invite you to um, read the, the uh, John 14, 1 through 3, pages, uh, or page 994. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. My Father's house has plenty of room. If it were not so, I would have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am going. I'll be reading Ephesians 2, 11 through 18 from the TNIV version. Therefore, remember that you formerly, who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in that body by human hands. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, foreigners to the covenants of promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, dividing the wall of hostility. By setting aside in his flesh the law with his commands and regulations, his purpose was to create himself in one new humanity out of two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through, through the cross by which he had put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to Father by one spirit. Well, these are really, really happy days when we can all be together in God's house sharing uh, something that we hold together in common, and that is the person of Jesus Christ. And when we lift him up and put him center in our lives and in our experience, in our thoughts as we especially try to do this season, uh, it brings us together in a way that's fresh and exciting. And of course, the music of the season and all the things that are happening just make me rejoice. We have been spending the last couple of weeks talking about Advent because that's the season we find ourselves in, the season of the coming of our Lord. Our first Advent thought was about hope. We talked about how this season is a season of hope for the hope that we have in Christ Jesus, for the hope that he brings, for the hope that he is. Our second theme was way. We talked about how Jesus is, in fact, the way, the truth, and the life. And I'm going to use a wonderful word, so if you want to write it down, you can. Ontologically, he is the way. That is to say, in his very being, by virtue of his very existence, ontos. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the resurrection. Jesus is the life. Jesus is the light. In his very being. This isn't a characteristic. This isn't something we're ascribing to him. The one 
who spoke the word, tell Pharaoh the I am sent you, is the one who spoke the words, I am way, truth, life. It goes to being. And in Acts 17, we read, in him we live and move and have our being. So in him we have found way, truth, resurrection, life, and light. And that is what we celebrate this season. Last week, I could not be with you. I had the joyous, wondrous pleasure of being at Monterey Bay Academy and hearing my son, along with countless other youth, perform. I did miss you, but I also had a wonderful time away hearing them do what they are coming to do so well uh, under Christian Leukert's leadership. Wonderful time listening to my son perform. But last week's theme, you also had a wonderful group here. Glendale Adventist Academy, Corral, there's no finer. And uh, Ben Garcia came and spoke to you briefly. He's a wonderful speaker as well on joy. Joy is not something you purchase. Regardless of the television commercials you will see in this season. Joy cannot be found in a cup of eggnog, even if you're a Jack Adventist and you spike it with brandy. <laughs> Racy stuff, I know. Joy cannot be bundled in a promotional of any kind. Joy is a gift that you reach out and receive. It doesn't depend upon wealth. It does not depend upon status. It does not depend on your relative educational achievements or, or professional merits. Believe it or not, joy doesn't even have to be tied to health although it certainly helps with everything to be healthy in life. Joy is a gift that we receive. It's a gift that comes down. It's a gift that we take into our hearts because the joy is the expression and experience of what I just said earlier. Way, truth, resurrection, life, and light. When we place ourselves into that life and light, what we experience is the joy of God in our lives. Even the psalmist, in writing of something that we would tend not to think of as joy, speaks of the commandments in terms of joy and delight. And joy has come to us this season. You'll hear these words and the refrains we sing and the texts that we cite. Now this week we come to peace. Peace. What the world needs, we say, is peace. And it's a cliche on the one hand. And a tremendous truth on the other. Truth, truth is, I mean, peace is very much like 
joy. It can't be bundled. Believe it or not, it can't be negotiated. We have a political conception of peace. That is to say that if people aren't firing at one another, or invading one another's territories, or throwing rocks or grenades or driving over one another with tanks, somehow we've achieved peace. It's certainly better than war, negotiated peace. Don't get me wrong. But it's not the peace of God. Let's look at that peace for just a minute in a few passages that might pertain to Christ in this season. I'll be reading from the TNIV. I have not, uh, I'm sorry to say, uh, highlighted the actual uh, Pew Bible references, so I will give you the text reference, but you'll need to find the page. I'm starting in Isaiah 26. The first thing that we need to understand about peace as a gift, as something we receive, is that it is not something we can initiate or accomplish. Have you ever been really upset about something? I mean really perturbed. Just an injustice or uh, something that, that came your way that shouldn't have. and It just keeps you awake in the night. Been there? Really? I'm thinking half of you are asleep or not paying attention. We've all been there. Those are not nights of peace, are they? No. Verse 17, excuse me, 12 of, of chapter 26 says this. Lord, you establish peace for us. All that we have accomplished, you have done for us. That's pretty profound, isn't it? Now, there's a whole context here. We're in the middle of a song of praise, by the way. Isaiah has written, and he says amazing things in this song of praise. I'll highlight one of them over on verse 16. Lord, they came to you in their distress when you disciplined them. They could barely whisper a prayer. And here's his analogy. As a pregnant woman about to give birth writhes and cries out in her pain, so were we in your presence, Lord. We were with child. We writhed in pain. But we gave birth to wind. We have not brought salvation to the earth, and the people of the world have not been reborn. Do you see the, the analogy there, the, the thing that he's telling? Some of you are looking at me like I have three heads, and that's okay too. When you have labor pains, you give birth to a child, right? And Isaiah is saying, we had pain but gave birth to nothing. Nothing. Our pain was for naught. Our pain accomplished nothing. We haven't succeeded in bringing salvation to the earth. Nobody has been born or reborn through our pain. But through your pain, one was born, and we have been saved. You see the difference? You established peace for us. All that we have accomplished, you have done for us. So what is Isaiah saying? We have accomplished how much? Nothing. That's about right. In the midst of your travail, you can no more give yourself peace 
then you can give yourself joy. It is a gift. A gift of God to you that you must simply receive. A gift that comes in a very humble package. It comes in a person. And in trusting on the arms of that person, our Lord Jesus Christ. Turn with me to the New Testament, to Ephesians chapter 2, and you'll see part of what we read there today. As Kayla read in verses 11 to 13, we have this commentary on circumcision and uncircumcision. That means by which Israel found its way into identification with God, into covenant of promise. But now in Christ Jesus, verse 13, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For, catch this, he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. By setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations, his purpose was to create himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far away, and peace to those of you who are near, for through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. That's an entire sermon to unpack right there. And more. But let me try to do this for you briefly. The peace that is talked about in this passage is not just a, a re reconciliation with God. It is a reconciliation of Jew and Gentile. Which means that all humanity has been called together under one, Jesus Christ. There is no longer a law that applies or doesn't apply the law of circumcision has been set aside. The law has been set aside that in Christ all might be unified. So the interesting corollary about all of them, or the, the point, in fact, of the peace God gives us is not that we might selfishly sleep well at night, but the peace he brings to us is the peace that we are to declare to a world at war. It's the peace we are to enact in our relationships with our neighbors. It's the peace we are to enact. And I, boy, I am a warrior at heart, so I struggle with that one sometimes. It is the peace that we are to engage our friends as well as our proverbial enemies in. It is to declare that war over. I've said this so many times. I keep saying it because... I hope that it's a reality in my life and I hope that it's a reality in yours. The difference between the saved and the unsaved is nothing except the saved are in recognition of the fact. God has reconciled the world to himself. The dividing line between male and female, Jew and Gentile and so forth has been wiped out. We have this gospel of peace to declare to a world which says that through Christ we've been reconciled to God forever. 
and that that reconciliation, that peace requires, mandates that we live in peace with one another. Now, I'm not going to get diverted by the practical realities of what that, that might mean in certain circumstances. There are, unfortunately, realities of life. We just had a, a dramatic story in Florida, a school board and a shooter and a hero guard. The guard had to act in violence to bring about peace. It doesn't seem congruent. So I'm not talking about some of these very specific things that we must address in the context of the world in which we live. But I'm talking about the ideal of understanding that short of somebody trying to wipe us out, our job is to live at peace. Turn with me just a few pages over to Philippians. I would like you to turn to Philippians chapter 4, please. verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious or worried about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And here's the promise. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the peace of God be with you all. Paul understood the peace of God that comes to us in this season transcends understanding. Now that's fairly plain English, but let's make it even plainer. More plain. It goes beyond our understanding. That's because the peace that we're speaking of is not a peace achieved. It's a peace received. The peace that we are given is a grace that comes to us from a babe born long ago. It's a peace that's anticipated. It's a peace that's celebrated. It's a peace in which we rejoice. And it's a peace that translates into both moral goodness and joy. My friend Eric was kind enough to remind me of a Christmas song that's often sung as a dramatic solo. But for my purposes, I'm going to read 
a verse to you from. O holy night. O holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. The thrill of hope, this weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees. Oh, hear the angels' voices. The night divine, the night when Christ was born. Oh, holy night, oh, night divine. Let's just break that out for quick second. We're familiar with the stars, with the wise men and shepherd. But long lay the world in sin and error, pining. It's referring to this longing that we have that never quite seems to be fulfilled. There's this restlessness. There's this place of yearning, a place of longing. A place that looks for the hope and the way and the peace that comes this season. Till he appeared. And out of all of that, the soul felt its worth. Let me put that bluntly. You were declared good in creation. And worthy when the Lamb of God was slain that you might live. I am not a big fan of the oh, what a worm am I theology. Because I'm here to tell you that even in sin, the vestige of God's image rests in you. Even a sinner can do something noble. Although that is the work of God in him. Amen? Amen. And it says... The soul felt its worth. In this moment of condescension, this act of grace, we find ourselves convinced of our own place and worth. Well, I'm going to go to the third verse. Truly he taught us to love one another. Now that is the essence of all of this gospel of peace, is it not? His law is love. Listen to that description. And his gospel is peace. Chains he shall break, for the slave is our brother, and in his name all oppression shall cease. Sweet hymns of joy and grateful chorus raise we. Let all within us praise his holy name. Christ is the Lord. Oh, praise his name forever. His power and glory evermore proclaim. His power and glory evermore proclaim. And in his name, all oppression shall cease. All oppression shall cease. It is that season of declaring the year of the Lord's favor, of declaring an end to hostilities, of declaring his joy and his peace, of pointing to him as the way and preaching the gospel of peace, of taking the axe and the sword and beating them into plowshares. It's the year in which 
we put aside the super superficial differences that have divided us and declare our unity with a redeemed humankind. He is our peace. And so our Savior, we thank you for this life, for your light, and for the peace of this wonderful time in which we recognize that you indeed are our peace. Go with us now. Amen.